welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. I just want to um, just reiterate that. So this month, Vision Builders, it's very exciting. We're looking at all sorts of vision, all sorts of um, things that we want to do in the church. I mean, Martin Gooding's super keen to just blow this ceiling up. And, and uh, you know, so Martin's, you know, so there's sort of things to do like that. You know, we can, it'd be lovely to have a, obviously, I have a higher ceiling. But at the same time, we're so excited about seeing the children's ministry. I think that comes first, actually. <laughs> Yeah, so we want to, um, you know, we really want to make the children's church look better and we've, we've never really spent a lot of money on that. So that's something, you know, we want to make that lovely and fabulous and, um, and then, you know, pay off the mortgage so we can em- employ someone. It'd be great to employ someone to go into the schools. It'd be great to employ someone to, to run the evening service. I mean, there's so many things that we can do, not to mention there's, you know, there's, I mean, that was fabulous ministry in Vietnam and as you know, we've got Russia and Thailand, so many things to do. So over the next month, we want to talk about some of this vision and we want to talk about the ways that you can be involved and um, we're very excited about that. So we, we have these fabulous brochures, but well, I actually feel that we'll wait till next week because I know Chris is excited. We'll give these to you next week and you can, um, we can share that and talk a little bit about the vision of this church and how you can be involved and how it's very exciting. So that will be next week. So that, this whole month we'll be looking at some of those things. And um, right now I'm going to talk about the church. How awesome is this place? How awesome. Genesis 28, 17. Jacob had just tricked his brother out of his birthright and he was leaving home to go and get a wife from his uncle's. And it was not, you know, a particularly auspicious event. He, you know, he's a bit of a, he was a bit sneaky, but he was hungry for God, good on him. But uh, sort of slightly, he lied basically to get the blessing, which is kind of like, is that good or bad? <laughs> good that you're hungry to get the blessing, Jacob. Not so good that you decided to lie to get it. But he was hungry for God, so good on him for that. And he, he left his family's place and he went to this, just a spot, was walking to visit his uncle. And it says in verse 15, well, actually, I think it's verse 12. He came to a certain place, just a place, and he stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took a stone from that place and put it at his head and lay down and slept. And then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth. And its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. And the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. And your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west, the east, and the north, and the south, you and your seed, and all, the, and in you and your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. And Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, how, he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? 
This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. That word awesome, it, we've, we've downgraded it a little bit, but it, it's, it was awe-inspiring, this place, which was just a place on the side of the road with some stones. He said, this is, this is an incredible place. It was awe-inspiring to the point of frightening. A little bit like, you know, if you, if you see a fabulous view and you go right up to the cliff and look at the edge and you look down, it's kind of like, whoa, it's beautiful and awe-inspiring, but a little bit scary. It's like, whoa, <laughs> don't get too close. It's like, that, that's the kind of feeling that he had. And he had that because God appeared to him. And it was like, this is, it's, it's beautiful, it's amazing, but it's a little bit scary as well. It's like, whoa, he was afraid. And let's just not muck around. When we talk about the house of God, we're talking about the church. So we see that very clearly in 1 Peter 2.4. He says, Coming to him as a living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to to God through Jesus Christ. As it says in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion, we did not plan this, a chosen and precious cornerstone. He who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. And again in Corinthians, you are God's temple. You are the temple of God. The spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. Whoa. For the temple of God is holy and together you are that temple. So the house of God that Jacob was talking about there, is now this is the house of God. It's very clear in the Bible that the house of God, it's one of the images of the church. It's the house of God. So the first thing I just want to say is that, that we need to maintain that awe for the house of God. This is the very first time the house of God was mentioned. This is the very, up till now it had been sort of individuals, but now there's a talk of the house of God. And we need to maintain that sense of, of awe about the house of God, that sense of fear about the house of God. It's like, how fearful? And it's like, because this is, the Bible says that the house of God is where, is where discipline begins. And even that, if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. It's like, I, you know, I'm, I'm very against this concept that God kind of had a personality change halfway through the Bible. A lot of people have this idea that in the Old Testament, God was really grumpy and, and basically in a bad mood for a few thousand years. And then, and then something happened and he went, oh, I, I'm going to be nice from now on. And so people say, oh, but that was the Old Testament. God's really loving now. It's like God was always loving. He was always good. I had this conversation with someone just the other day on the phone. They go, yeah, but that's Old Testament stuff. I'm like, they said, Jesus is always loving, always nice. I go, well, he made a whip in the temple. That's pretty full on. And she goes, yeah, but he didn't use it. And I went, I think he did. She goes, I'm sure he didn't hurt anyone. I said, well, maybe, but, you know, like he was whipping around the place. It's pretty, pretty aggressive. There's plenty of, you know, don't think that God suddenly changed. He's always been full of love, but he is a fearsome God. If you had a really good dad, I like a good dad that really loved you. I'm talking a good dad, not a bad dad, a good dad who really loved you. I'm telling you, you were scared when you disobeyed him. I was scared of my dad. We had the leather strap and it was scary, but he was the gentlest man. I mean, he's a lovely, lovely, gentle man, but you didn't want to get him offside because he had an element of anger and authority. 
And God is like that times a million, much, much more loving, but also he holds our eternal destiny in his hand. So there's a sense of awesome fear. I don't want to, I don't want to disobey God. I don't want, and this place, there's a sense of awesome fear around the church. This is his house. He loves this house. He loves the church. He doesn't want us to play lightly with the church. He doesn't want us to be casual about this church. He doesn't want us to sort of just, I mean, another analogy, of course, is the bride of Christ. And I just think, how would you men feel if I mistreated your wife? You know, how would Byron say if I said, yeah, I really like you, Byron. I don't know much about Sarah. You know, she's not here now, so I can. But, you know, she's listening. We love you, Sarah. It's okay. But um, the front row have to accept. We, we talk to the front row. We say, you have to accept that you will be used for all the bad examples, okay? So you want to sit up there. That's what happens. So apart from Cal, we use him too, but that's, that's, that's different. That's different. He just, he just lends himself to that. So. But, uh, but, you know, you don't just sort of – you don't put down a man's wife and expect the man to like you. It's like you've you got to have a bit of respect and, and awareness. You've got to understand that – God loves the church. He loves this church. He loves this church. Don't go putting this church down. Don't go be casual about it. Don't, don't go sort of, you know, sifting around from church to church, see which one you like. Like, get some fear of God in you. This is his bride. He's very precious about it. And it's his house. It's his home. It's his family. It's his family, the, the church. And so he loves the church. And he plans every single house. He is the architect and builder. It's not about a man. It's not about a great man. Honestly, Chris Brown, he's a good guy. I like Chris. But this church was planned by God. And I just love it because I was thinking about this whole thing, the house of God, and this is the first element of the house of God. And I'm like, it's a funny kind of example. I would have thought maybe, you know, when Jacob and Abraham and Esau, you know, all the guys got together and said, let's, let's have a meeting. Let's call this the house of God. But he was alone and he was asleep. He was asleep. So I was thinking about how God started the house of God and I thought it was all God. Jacob's, Jacob hadn't been particularly noble. He's lying there asleep having just lied to his brother and his father and God says this is the house of God because the house of God begins with God. It's, it's God. It's God's house. It didn't begin with a man. It began with God. I got this real understanding. It began with God speaking and God revealing and he revealed a ladder and of course the ladder is the way it's Jesus he opened a way so because we know that God's in heaven and heaven's going to be awesome and in heaven there's his house as well obviously his home and it's glorious and amazing and fantastic but basically he wanted to create an extension so he sort of created you know he sort of opened up heaven we'll put a ladder down here and he's creating an extension from his house in heaven to his house on earth so that's how the house of God begins. It's God going, I'm going, to, I'm going to extend my house that's here in heaven. I'm going to build an extension. And I'm going to build one here at 101 Mans Road, Narara. I want, an, I, want a, I want a house here. And I want a house over the road there. And I want one there. And he's building his house. He is the architect. He is the builder. Jesus is the way. But he, that's why it's so awesome here. Not because... We're at 101 Mans Road, Narara, not because of the actual ground, but because in this place, just as in that place, God decided to open heaven and extend his house. He decided that right here, I'm going to open heaven and I'm going to create another extension of heaven on earth. 
and see our church. That's why it's awesome. And the more that we can be aware of that connection, that portal, that opening, the more awesome this place will be. The more open we are to what God is doing in heaven and bringing heaven to earth, the more amazing. And that's why we want to get together at nights as well because it's like we want that here. It is already open, but we want it more. And we, I think we can shut it off and block off this portal by disobedience and by being crazy, but we're not going to do that. So God began and he opened this heaven and he opened a way. This way that he opened is amazing. It's his house. There's a lot of other houses in, on earth. You know, I was thinking about, you know, I've been watching, watching the royal wedding. Did everyone watch the royal wedding? Yes. Great. Love, love a good old royal wedding. And then I, you know, started, I don't know, I ended up watching documentaries about the house of Windsor, you know, and it's a, a royal house. Will it survive or will it go the way of the, the Romanov house, for example, his cousins in Russia who, they all got done. And not to mention the, the Greeks, the Greek house, the royal Greek house, they got done. And, and then I went through, I started Googling all the houses, you know, royal houses that have been destroyed. And I had no idea there were so many. I mean, they all go, honestly, one after another, all the way back to the Romans and the, all the, China, you know, the Ming dynasty and the Qin dynasty and the Han dynasty, all gone. All the, these famous sort of house, these famous dynasties, all destroyed. The Roman Empire, Persian the Aztecs, the Ottomans, Austro-Hungarians, these magnificent houses, these dynasties, they're all, they all die eventually. But then I thought, oh, well, we're not, you know, maybe not all royalists here. It's not, you know, it's not really a thing, is it? And I thought, well, maybe you're building into another house like the house of Kodak, for example. Maybe, you know, because this is what some of these companies do. It's like, we're going to have this company. It's like, it's a thing. It's like, you know, we're modern now. We have our, our businesses. And then I, so then I Googled all the businesses that have failed. <laughs> IBM, it's not so bad, but they're not doing well. Blockbuster Video, remember them? They were huge. Enron Energy Corporation. You know, they had 22,000 employees and in the year 2000, they made, wait for it, $111 billion in revenue. But the house of Enron has fallen. It has fallen. Lehman Brothers. Even borders, these places that were once so amazing, they fall. So the house of God will never fall. This dynasty, this kingdom will last for all eternity. This is the great kingdom. Be sure that this is the kingdom that you build into. Have a job by all means. Start a great business by all means. But do it as part of the house of God. Do it as part of the kingdom. Don't compete. Don't let the, the house that you're building into, even at your own home, you know, the Brown's house. Don't let the, you know, the Gervin household get in the way of the house of God. This is where it's at. This is an awesome and fearsome and amazing house. And here is this ladder to heaven. And be sure to climb this ladder. Build together, higher as we can go. This is what we're building. We're building higher We'll build bigger too, wider, however God wants us to build, we'll build. I believe that God just loves all different size churches. That's what I've come to a conclusion. 90% of the churches in the world are about this size or smaller. 90%. Just putting that out there because we hear a lot about the big churches and the big churches are sort of like, you know, great, good on them. But I think Jesus loves all his church. I think Jesus loves oak trees and apple trees, you know. 
So the goal for an apple tree is to be healthy and beautiful and, and anointed in God as for an oak tree. So my goal is for us to see the glory of God here, to climb that ladder so that heavens are more open and we see his glory in this church, whatever size we are. So let's have that goal in our heart to climb the ladder together that God has opened up for us. How awesome. How incredible that we can do that. Don't climb a ladder to nowhere. Don't climb one of these houses that goes nowhere. In uh, Homebush, I, I'm always fascinated by this. I call it the ladder to nowhere. If you go to Homebush, there's a park there. Has anyone, does anyone remember this ladder? It's a great big ladder. It's a sculpture. And I remember just walking up and going, ha, look at that. They've made this huge ladder and it just goes up into the sky. To nothing, to nowhere. I always call it the ladder to nowhere. You can climb up the top and they've got all these words written on it. Verbum, intelligentsia, intellectus, ratio, imaginato, sensus, sort of Latin because, you know, it's kind of like, and then he's got these words, it's got were it to exist, were it to begin, were it to cease, were it, all these kind of random mystical words and it's kind of like, it's just nothing, guys. <laughs> You're just talking about nothing. Don't climb ladders to nowhere. Climb, climb with God. Paul McCartney famously said this, he had his kids in a fancy private school and he pulled them out and put them in the local state school. Obviously, he had the money for it because he was a Beatle, you know, the Beatles. So the Beatles were pretty big in their day, like as in the biggest single entity in the world probably. Everybody knew the Beatles. And they said, and he sort of said, yeah, no, I just want my kids to go to normal school. And, and he sort of didn't play the game. He wasn't playing the I'm super rich, I can hang out with all the rich people game. And they said, why not? And he said, well, he said... I've been to the top and there's nothing there. I just love that quote so much. I've been to the top. He, had, he literally was the top of the world. He was, the, he was it. They were the Beatles. They were the most popular, richest. They were just, says, nothing there. Hotel rooms, you know, concerts, what? Nothing. So we're climbing a ladder all the way to heaven. Where we're going, it just gets better and better. So God's house is the house of God. God's house, God's vision is to build the church. His vision is to build this church. So he does that with one man. He starts with a man. He's, he's, he's excited to build the church. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's his vision. So he, he begins by opening up the house of God and then he has a vision of what that's going to look like. And he starts with a man. He started with Jacob. Trying to find my notes here. He started with Jacob. He just called Jacob. He said, It's just one man. Because then I was thinking, Why is there only one man in the house of God here, God? Why do you? And I realized, Well, that's how it begins. That's how it began with us. You know, some of you know the story. We were in Russia. Chris went downstairs to pray at night with our long, 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 boring, boring, boring evenings. We had nothing to do. I, I, I still can remember. I took up drawing. No books, no videos, no DVD, no screens, no telephones. No friends, nothing. And it was pitch black from about 2.30 onwards. We had long evenings. So we used to pray a lot, play the piano, draw pictures. And Chris went down to pray and I remember he came up and he said, God's spoken to me, we're going to plant this church on the Central Coast. And it was just like that. And I just went, oh, yeah, we are. I remember going, yeah, okay. And then so God spoke to one man a certain man at a certain place and said, this is what I want you to do and this is where I want you to do it. And, and, I, and I was called with him. 
And then two weeks later, my good friend Sue Hoskins, who's prophetic, who prays, she rang me up. She didn't know anything about it. She rang us up, which, yes, you can get a phone call through if you book it. And it took, you know, days and days to book. And then they would, <laughs> it was so funny. They would, in the middle of the night, the phone would ring and you go up and they go, you have a booked phone call from Australia. Go, okay. Because you couldn't book what time. You couldn't say what time you wanted the phone. It was just the funniest thing. And then, of course, the company realised that we were foreigners because we kept getting phone calls from Australia. So they did a little extortion job on us. And they, they, got, like, charges, they tried to charge like thousands of dollars for our phone bill. We were like, what's going on? They go, oh, they figured out you're foreigners. So they're just bumping up the bill. We're like, what? Like, anyway, it was a crazy place. So she rang us up in the middle of the night and said, God has spoken to me and I believe that you're going to have a church on the Central Coast. And we went, oh. God just spoke to us. So it was a real confirmation. So God speaks to us. I spoke to my friend Kiralee Lowe about it because I was thinking, wow, and I realised because I've heard Phil Pringle say similar stories about God speaking to him to, to start that church. And Kiralee said, yeah, she said, I said, how did it happen for you? And she said, I was driving home and just before I hit the Harbour Bridge, I was overwhelmed with the love of God for the city of Sydney. Tim and Kiralee Lowe have a C3 church in the middle of the city in Darlinghurst. She said, I went home and I cried all night. She said, I just cried and prayed all night. And she said, when God wants to birth something on the earth, he impregnates someone. He, he is intimate with his bride and the seed was planted in my heart for this church. And so she cried. She went into labour. That's how she saw it. She went into labour for this church. She said, I knew I'd birth church. And I also knew I was going to marry Tim one day because God spoken to her about that. So she said one day she was talking to him. They weren't even going out. She says, yeah, I reckon I'm going to start a church in the city one day. And she went, she didn't say this to him, but she said, yes, you are with me. We're going to be married and we're going to plan a church in the city. So I said, oh, that's a cool story. So, I mean, I, I, I bet I could ring every pastor around and find out their cool stories of how God called them to build the church. And God calls you. So it's not just us. He calls each of us as individuals. Come and be a part of this. Come and we're heirs together. We're, we're building together. It's very exciting. I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. I remember Dale and Aaron saying when they felt called to this church and called to belong. And the Cherkovs, that was fun. They came to our church and it was so fun the whole time that we've been in this church. We've had Russians in our church. I mean, how, how fun is that? You know, like we went to Russia, we came back and we've got this whole Russian connection and, and now I'm going to have Russian grandbabies soon. So that's the plan. <laughs> so because, you know, it's, it's just really exciting how God has planted you. So you hear from God too. You be like Jacob. You need to get a sense of this place is awesome. This is where I'm called. We're going to build together. We are the temple of God. We are the house of God. It says we're living stones. So just as God called us, he calls each of you. And you need to know where you're called to be and have a sense of this is awesome. I love being here. This is where I want to be. This, I love building together because together we can do something amazing. Together we can build. Together we have a, he, he, God promised Jacob there. He said, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you people. And that's exactly what he promises the house of God. He promised us a land. He came here and we fought for this piece of land that God's given us. And he's giving us people. And we've got to keep fighting for people. Keep fighting for people to get born again and, and, and blessed and, and growing. And it's so, it's just so exciting. So I want you to have, be excited about this vision, be a part of what Jesus' vision is, know that this is what he's doing and whatever, however you can be a part of that vision, just get into it. When I was away, I, um, you know, I love the weekly witness thing. So, um, I, you know, when I go on holidays, you don't 
don't ever have a holiday from God. Like don't, you don't do that. <laughs> if you ever go away and you get lazy and you don't pray, by the end of the holiday, it's a complete disaster and you're miserable and unhappy. So don't ever do that. I have done that. So I think, oh, you know, I'm on holiday. I don't have to pray so hard. I just sort of, I just go for a little walk and say, good day, God, you know, and it's like, no, 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 no. Press in, always press in and always serve the Lord. So we, when we were on the Fraser Island, there was a spa. I thought, oh, I'll go and have a spa. So that's something I don't do very often. So I, um, I, uh, I went to get in the spa and there was just one other guy in the spa. So I said, oh, is it, is it warm? And he goes, yeah. And I went, okay, well, he's a foreigner and he's young. Everyone else was old. So he's, I said, so you're not Australian. Where are you from? He said, oh, now I'm, I always do a Russian accent nowadays. Whenever I try to do a foreign accent, it just turns Russian. So I'll try and do an Italian accent. Dio tanto mata il mondo. Okay. He said, yeah, I'm here on holidays with, you know. So he was Italian. I won't even do the accent. But anyway, he's there on holiday. So I'm just sitting there and I'm like, we, I'm just, I just love seeing God move and having opportunities to minister. So I'm in the spa with this good-looking young Italian boy. We're sitting there and I say, so where are you from? And um, he says, he turns from Italy, how long are you here? So I'm just friendly. I'm a nice, you know, you've got to be nice. No, no, how long are you here? Like, you like Australia? I said, oh, it's a great country and chit-chat, chit-chat about Australia and Italy. And, and then I said, well, I actually speak a little bit of Italian. And he said, really? And I said, yes, I do. It's from the Bible because, um, you know, my husband and I, we pastor a church, so I, I know a little bit of the Bible. I'll, I'll say it to you and then you tell me how my Italian is. And he goes, okay. So I go, John 3.16. Dio ha tanto amato il mondo da dare il suo unico figlio perché chi crede in lui non muoia, non abbia vita eterna. See? I've got my Italian. Yeah, I know, right? I learned that at university and because uh, I did Italian at uni. So I say John 3.16 in Italian to him. And then I go, how was that? And he goes, oh, yeah, pretty good. I said, was, he, he says, oh, unico. He said this word and that word. Oh, right. I said, not quite right. I said, why don't you say it to me so I get it right? So he goes, oh, I don't know. I said, well, I'll say it and then you repeat it properly. So Dio ha tanto amato il mondo. He goes, Dio ha tanto amato il mondo. Like he says it better than me, obviously. And so, so he repeats it back better than me, right? Because he's Italian. So, he, so I've said it now. I say it again and he says it back to me. I say, okay, now I'll say it again and you tell me if I get it right. This is the fourth time that I have said John 3.16. Four times. I'm like, oh, this is too precious. I'm just loving this. I'm like, oh, God, this is so fun. This poor guy's got no idea. And I'm just like pretending to learn. It, you know, so then I go, okay, I'll do it one more time. I say it again, Dio atato il mondo il mondo. I'm like, God, anoint my words. And the guy's like, it's so funny. So after saying John 3:16 four times, what do you think we talk about? Like, so cool. We had the best conversation about John 3:16, what it meant, the Bible. I mean, obviously, I guessed he was a Catholic, so I kind of, you know, talk about being born again, talk about all this stuff. And then he just said, oh, yeah, I've got a friend who's been asking me to a church. You know, it's kind of like a modern church. You know, I said, oh, that's like our church. So, so you should go. It'd be great. And we, we just, I just had a great chance to witness. So, you know, it's so much fun to be part of building the house of God, isn't it? This is his vision. And this is my vision, whether I'm on holidays, whether I'm in a spa, wherever you are, you know, you just, you build the house of God. And it's so fun. I would say that that was one of the highlights of my whole holiday. I really would because, because now I'm doing something with God and I've got the anointing. I got out of the spa. It was, oh, it was so fun. I told Chris and I, I just thought, I can't wait to tell everyone. And I said John 3.16 to an Italian boy four times. Praise the Lord. So let me encourage you to, to be excited about being part of this vision.
And what, however that looks, whether it's looking after children, you know, giving into Vision Day and being a part of, you know, if you're very successful financially or, or not, you know, being financially sharing, helping with the cafe, the kids, whatever it is. It's so fun. It's so exciting. I missed it so much. You know, I just wanted to be back. I just wanted to be here. I wanted to do it again. I'm like, I don't, I want to, I want to serve the Lord. I want to be building the church. It says that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows. The whole building fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And you are being built together to be a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. It's just so beautiful. Listen to that. We, Jesus is that cornerstone, but we are being fitted together. We're, we're being fitted. Can you see how beautiful it is to be, to just to fit with people? It's such a delight. That's why I missed you so much. And you go away, it's like, I can't do it on my own. I'm, I'm, a, I'm part of a team. You know, we're being, we're fitted together, but we're, we're alive. We're growing together in this amazing way. And it says, and we are growing into a holy temple. Something pure, beautiful, amazing and wonderful together. This is what God is doing with us. We are so much better together and together we can do so many amazing things that we just can't do on our own or even with just our, our own families. And it says that you are being built together for a dwelling place of God. So as we become more and more amazing, we, we kind of are more welcoming, I suppose, to the presence of God more open to that, more of a house where he can, can live with us. So beautiful. And then just to finish, let me go to the end of that chapter, how Jacob responded to that. Right at the end, Jacob, it said he rose early in the morning. He took the stone that he put under his head and he, he, he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on its top. And he called the name of that place Bethel which means house of God, Bethel, although previously it had been called Luz. And he made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me on this journey and give me food to eat and look after me, I'll return to my father's house in safety and the Lord will be my God. And this stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and of all that you give to me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So I love the response that Jacob has to this vision of the house of God. He has a response to, to build and a response to give. I was going to, this is my third point, my final point, and I was going to say that now that God, we're part, we see the house of God, we see God's vision for a house, we're going to say that God commands us to give into this house. But interestingly here, I thought, you know what, he never, he never commanded Jacob to give here. I mean, there's plenty of other scriptures where he says, you know, give and it will be given unto you and you know, honour the Lord with your first fruit and things. But it's, it's lovely that he didn't need to make the command. There was no command. Jacob responded as we should. He just felt, I'm going to build something precious here and I'm going to give in to that. He, he used stones, which is people. I'm going to build with people. I'm going to build with oil, the anointing, and I'm going to tithe. And there's nothing there that, that God said, now I want you to do this. That was just... The response to seeing what God is doing. It's the response to being a part of this church is I just want to I just want to give. I want to I want to be a part of this. And actually, if we go right back to 
where I was reading in Peter, he says, You are living stones being built up in a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. So one of the purposes of this church is for us to give spiritual sacrifices to God, to give a tithe to the house of God, to give our time, our energy, our heart, our love, to be spiritual in our offering and to give into it. And when we're all giving together, something marvellous happens, something, something beautiful happens. We all, we all love one another and it's, it's very exciting. That's acceptable to God and beautiful and we bless each other and we bless God. So let me just encourage you with that response that Jacob had, this desire to give at the end there. Love that. Love that it wasn't commanded. Love that it was just a response. And there's so many ways we can give. I mean, we've got people giving right now, looking after the children, children giving to us, all sorts of ways we can give. So how awesome is this place? Amen. God's house is awesome. This is his house. This is his vision. This is his dream on earth. He shared that dream with men and women who are called to start a church, called to be elders, musicians, servants, called to see his glory dwell in the land. We're called to be a passionate people who are eager to grow, to change, to grow, to be holy, to be righteous. We are determined to carry his presence and his love into this earth to one another and then out there into the whole society. That's our calling and it's, it's awesome. It's fearsome. It's wonderful. And I'm glad to be back. And we've got so many exciting days in front of us. Amen. Praise God. Come on, let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.